Hello, this is Improvised Radio Theatre with Dice. With me, Michael Kuhl. And me, Roger Bell West. Autumn is upon us, and in an autumnal feeling of, uh, of gratitude, I'd like to mention that after I talked about wanting to get hold of the... Um, the remaining supplement for Continuum, the game of time travel, called um, Further Information. Uh, and one of our kind uh, uh, associates sent me a copy. Uh, you know that I'm going to tell you now that it was a little bit of a disappointment. But maybe I will try and take a look at Continuum um, um, and, uh, and, and its appendages in more detail, just as a historical note sometime in the future. No promises, but working on it. I did play it a bit back in the day. I, I haven't really looked at it since the original book came out. But... Oh, well, uh, I'd put it this way. I'm not sure you missed much. Eh. And on uh, slightly more positive news, uh, thank you to Tim Soholt, who sent us some money, which encourages us to keep the show going. I'm feeling that encouraged, I am. And uh, this month we're going to be talking uh, about... There are two big topics, um, two big topics in role playing theory: character classes, what they are, and experience and advancement and how you do it, and whether but you first do it. Of, and whether you ought to do it. But first of all, quick bundle of holding news. Uh, the Hostile Bundle, which we talked about last year in episode 113, Out on the Sharp and Bitey End, this is not a coincidence, uh, is, is being revived. Uh, it's basically the same stuff, though there are a couple of new files in there, and it's running until the 2nd of October. Mm. Usual disclaimer, uh, we like it, but uh, we don't have to pay for it. Um, I feel I should probably mention um, that the Mistborn role-playing game, which is apparently going to stop existing at the end of this year, <laughs> um, is on the bundle of holding at the moment. Um, I, I would I would say more, but I'm one of the few people in the universe who's never read anything much by Brandon Sanderson, so let alone his his, his, his mighty oeuvre here. There, there so, are people who are great fans of his work, so if you're one of them, stop listening. Um, the impression I get is the thinking man's hack fantasy writer. He is, he is a competent writer. He, he He's good at what he does, but he chooses to write generic fantasy. Presumably he likes it, or it sells, or whatever, but yeah. Hey, not for uh, me. Roger, you may just have, have recommended it to me. <laughs> but we will pass up. wasting a lot of my time on YouTube, and I know many of you are too. And I came across um, a posting by Matthew Colville, who is big in the giving advice about how to run the role-playing games business, and also appears to be... Um, There's a business. Uh, Where did we miss out? Pardon? There's a business. Where did we miss out? I mean, we, we do a lot of giving advice about role playing games. People aren't sending us huge amounts of money. Yeah, I wonder why that is. It may have something to do with the fact that I refuse to have anything to do with Patreon. 
the 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 point I was making before I was uh, so tetrally interrupted is that he is also um, with his company in the business of writing a new role playing game, and he gave a report on one of his postings, which I was idly listening to, and he said a thing that struck me. He said one of the things we knew from the beginning of the project was that it was going to be character class and level based and uh, my 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 role playing universe briefly reeled because um i have avoided games that work like that mostly um ever since 1979 when i discovered runequest and it may be that the wheels of time have come around again he gave us his justification the fact that a class system has virtually everything packed into it, has everything pre-worked out. And it gives you a clear and fixed um, path of advancement for your character, limits the ways they can go, and pre-tests at the game writing stage the um, suitability of all the advancements and advantages and stuff you get as you progress, which is certainly a lot more than uh, Dungeons and Dragons actually had at the start. And it struck me then that this was an aspect of the problem of how to advance your characters, how to make them grow during a campaign that I hadn't previously thought of. Um, and that I had thought that other things might uh, suit better. Um, and so I, I, I think I'm going to bring up the whole topic of character advancement, experience, and how you earn it, and the path that you can go along. Because the, struck, the thing that struck me right at the start was, I'd heard Robin Laws say he had the clue how to construct a new uh, template for characters in Feng Shui. He couldn't give you a set of laws about how... That wasn't a pun. Not an intended one, anyway. A set of laws about how to um, put something into the pre-existing system. And it struck me, if you don't have that, and you can't explain it to other people, then you've got an artefact, but you haven't got a system. If you see what I mean, you've got a thing, you a work of art you have created, but you don't have a doctrine to go with it. In effect, only Robin can write new templates, or at least he has to have approval of them, because he is yeah. the only person who is in a position to say this is a good template and that isn't. Yeah, he's he, it's it's being run off his own aesthetic sense, uh, off his own sense of what will work in this game that he has helped devise, and. Um, I can't. I can't argue with that. It, that may well be the case, but it's not a. It's not a reproducible way of working, and so I thought. First of all, I've got a lot of things to say here. <laughs> okay, well, bursting with the first of them because I've got. I. I'm going. I'm still. I'm still rallying my thoughts about how these two topics separate Well, out. the first thing this causes me to think about is Shadowrun uh, First Edition, which is the one I played most. Okay. Uh, which has two basic approaches when you're generating a character. You can either take one of the templates yeah. 
uh, which are you know your your, your elven hacker or whatever. Yeah, or the or the or the uh, or the used up street fighter or whatever. Yeah, uh, or you can use a system which is the effectively the template design system. And so okay, say, they okay, one. so the highest priority thing is this. The second priority thing is that, and so on, and that that will then spit out a number of skill points and an amount of starting money, and so on. That is basically a template. Okay, that sounds very advanced on, of them. Did it work? Yes, but, but the basic problem was that if you got somebody who wanted to play the optimization game, hmm. then much like the battle mech design system in classic BattleTech, the ones that a player can come up with with a little bit of effort are much more dominant than the what the official ones in the book. Mm. Yeah. Basically, I, I think the problem is they, they wanted people mostly to use the templates, but if you had at all munchkin tendencies, what can I say, it was the early 90s, um, then uh, this was obviously the way to go, particularly the one that gave that gave you money as top priority. And then you could buy all the gear to make up for the skills you didn't have. <laughs> well, if you're willing to plug things into your brain or into your arm, and then um, I suppose that is indeed the way to go. But I have to defend um, the idea of a component um, design system because we both of us are very fond of GURPS. Mm, I'm, I'm not GURPS going to argue with that. I'm just saying it has to be tested really hard. Mm. Now, I'm not sure the, the approach GURPS takes is, is slightly different because e- in a a good setting book there will be templates. Um, yes, and but I have not an are... argument with them about the format of that. But the basic idea is here is something that is nearly a playable character, and you make some choices, and you have a playable character. Yes, okay, and that uh, that's and, and that, fair... that that doesn't need extra playtesting because what those points are doing is just being points in the standard character construction system. So you're not breaking any rules by using a template or by designing your own. You still have, you know, I've got 200 points, I'm going to make a character. The, yeah, but this assumes that the equivalence of um, of points is well done. Oh, I sure. Mean, the, the, but, but if that's broken, then basic character generation is broken as well. It's not a flaw specifically in the template system. Well, hang on. We're at the level at which people are saying... Should I play GURPS or should I play Matt Colville's marvelous new system, or should I stick with Dungeons and Dragons, which I think I I understand? It's a choice. It's the choice between ways of doing things that um, I'm trying to br- uh, bring up here. Okay, well, I, see, I would say all is illusion, and what we have is not a choice but a continuum. Oh, all you, right. You have played GURPS action. I have, yes. And that, that gives you something very like classes. Uh, you have a template which is, uh, you know, the, 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 the shooter or the cleanup guy or whatever. And that gives you a very nearly complete character. You've got a couple of choices to make. Yes, but it's, um, you see, I, I, maybe I have a primitive idea of what a character class is, having abandoned D and D so long ago. But it always felt to me like the character class was a straitjacket. It was a, here's the thing you are destined to do, and here's the only thing you get to do. And um, there are things that you can't do by the nature of your identity. 
uh, wizards don't don't wear ar- armor. Uh, clerics uh, don't use edged weapons or whatever silliness was going on at the time. And fighters um, they can well they can burst open doors and they can hit things really hard with more different types of weapons. But they too are deeply limited in what they can get up to, which is why I sprang to RuneQuest as soon as I picked it up. Now, mm-hmm. there are people who told me that the, uh, the cults in RuneQuest are character classes, and I could never see that. They're things that exist in the universe, and they, uh, and they, and they make sense in, in the universe, and they're paths and careers that you can follow. But you're not you're not limited to them. the 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 death the 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 death lord can in fact learn knitting if he really wants to. Yeah, um, I think the virtue of uh, the reason I mentioned uh, GURPS action is that there is an optional mm. rule for GURPS action, which yeah. essentially says, okay, you do, you don't have you don't need to take you know, guns and climbing and all those other things. What you take is the shooter wildcard skill. And that lets mm. you do all the things that a shooter does, or a a um, driver, or a medic, or whatever else. And if yeah. you want things that you feel fall outside that, then you can take normal GURP skills. It's it's an option. It should be pointed out that the that the wildcard skills are pretty much as expensive as as a template is going to be. Um, and um, but but you know. How how can you really say that having shooter fourteen is not a character class and level? Because it well, <laughs> because it's not, um, because uh, a level. All right, well, we need to define level as well. A level is a series of steps that you go through that generically advance your character in several areas. It isn't just adding one step to um, to a, to a bundle of skills that have been thrust together. It, it's um, it's an it's a prepackaged identity is what a, is what a character class is, and uh, and one that tends to exclude all others. All right, now the, I don't the way I, I don't know about multiclassing, but go on. I, in D and D first edition days, we couldn't afford multiclassing. Uh, <laughs> Class and level, I think, can make every character of a class seem the same. If if it is your basic early D and D, which is, tends to be my default model of it, you know, you are yeah. you are a fighter level five. I mean, there, there were adventures published in which it just said, you know, F five, and that that is all you get to know about this NPC. Mm. Um, maybe you get their name as well if you're really lucky. Um, but D and D got away from that uh, by inventing skills by the back door. Which started off with the weapon proficiencies, and then it turned into non-weapon proficiencies. And these days, you have feats and things as well. So basically, everybody has their little things that they can do that they have chosen off a list. Mm. While at the same time, because they are still you know a level six fighter or whatever, they always have the basic skills to be competent at their job in the party. And then, yeah, the, I- then, the, then the feats and things let let them have their moments of awesome. You know, I, I am competent fighter already. I can hold up my end mm. in the fight. But I'm also, I don't know, specialist in wrestling moves, and so so I so I can I can squeeze that gorilla to death or whatever, and, mm. and get my moment of look how cool I am. This is a thing that the rest of you can't do, even if you are also level six fighters. 
Well, yeah. I I don't know. I don't really know know how how to how to put this, but my experience with D and D and with a few other systems down the year is, you've made this choice, therefore you can't have that choice as well, and that wasn't a thing, except for religious reasons that happened in RuneQuest. <laughs> if you've chosen to be a healer, you you can't go around uh, slicing and dicing uh, critters into pieces. And if you've chosen to be a death lord, really, you're not going to be that good at healing, and you you probably ought to have people around that who do it around you that do it for you. Uh, you you so, shouldn't want healing, really. I mean, em- embrace if it is your time. It is your time. Um, my, my memories of RuneQuest, which are old and hazy, uh, were that yeah, there, there were definitely things you could try to qualify for, like being a rune lord or a rune priest. But this was mostly a matter of having enough of, of the relevant skills or having enough of the relevant spells and that kind of thing. You basically, things that you would be doing anyway, it's just here is a checklist of when you have done those things, then you mm. can go through the ordeal or whatever it is and actually get the social position to go with it. What I found about RuneQuest and what caused me to embrace it with joy is that it took away the problem I was having with the other mechanic that's tied so closely into this, which is experience points. RuneQuest says um, you use the uh, the, uh, the skills and you gradually get better at it, and the GM doesn't have a single thing to say about it. It's, um, it's what the universe throws at you, what chance happens to allow, allow you to attempt and succeed at. And I had been struggling with um, dishing out experience points at the end of uh, D&D sessions. I had to make judgments. I had to divide up the loot, not just the loot, but the experience points between the players. I had to say, well, Fred, you didn't do very much this week, so you get less points. Uh, George, you did a lot and you get more. And perhaps... Alice gets another 100 points because of her brilliant idea. But I never understood what those points were supposed to be and what they were supposed to reflect. And I never felt happy dividing them up amongst the players. And when RuneQuest took that away, said you don't have to worry about it, I breathed a huge huge sigh of relief. Uh, Maybe my experience was just unusual, but... Pretty much every game I play that has experience points in it is pretty much here. Here is the base level of experience points you get for turning up. If you did something really impressive, like corpsing the GM, then they, yeah. then you get a bonus. Well, come, no, come on, that is a lot, a lot later than uh, uh, than any D and D. I say it, it's a, but it it's works. a, it, well, it works. Partly it works because of things that get like GURPS, which say, uh, which, which I found myself able to award experience points in GURPS. Firstly, because there weren't any levels. There was always a pressure in DNDO, just give me an extra hundred points and I can reach, reach the next level, which was uh, galling to my soul. And I can't quite describe why. Maybe I, maybe I'm ungenerous. Or maybe I, d- I don't like being wheedled. Mm-hmm. But GURPS makes it, that breaks it down into tight, teeny tiny groups. There, yes, you get a certain level for turning up. And you get a certain level for, um, being awesome. 
Um, <laughs> and mo- most weeks I can happily say, yes, everybody gets three character points. And occasionally I'll stir up and say, yes, Jenny gets, uh, Jenny gets an extra one point because of her brilliant idea. Or Norman gets his, uh, a good point because he told that terrible joke. And that works for me. And it feels, though, though it, it's, it's an advancement system with, ex, with experience points, it didn't cause the dread in me that, um, uh, that D&D did with, um, or, or Merp, or anything with Well, let's levels. talk about Rollmaster. <laughs> oh, God, this is the moment at which I regret getting up this morning. Go on. So, um, well, first of all, in this specific thing, uh, Rollmaster has, a, I think, ten different things you can get experience points from. Starting with, you know, how tough the monster is, and ending with half your own experience point value as a monster if you are brought to the brink of death and revived twice your own experience point value as a monster if you actually die and are revived. Which leads to the edifying thing of, couldn't you just have let, let me die and resurrect me? Then, I, then I've had enough for next level. Anyway, um, <laughs> Rollmaster does have class at level, but it has it in a slightly weird way, because it's Rollmaster. So the, the main effect of, a, of your character class is to set the costs of skills and spells. Which are learned in a different way, but the same basic idea. Anybody can learn anything. Mm-hmm. Which I applaud, yes, go But on. the fighter will spend an awful lot of effort learning magic, and the magician will spend an awful lot of effort learning to wave a sword about. To the extent that, functionally, it's, it's pretty much saying don't do this. If you, if you wanted to do that, then you should have chosen a different character class in the first place. It's not an absolute, but it's a strong hint. Hmm. Whereas GURPS says, uh, GURPS rewards you for specialising because everything, I get the feeling because real, real life rewards you for specialising in, in, in a particular area of enterprise. But it doesn't say that, uh, that you can't have, have cookery or embroidery as a, as a side interest. I was um, always amused to note that in Rollmaster, there was a great big table of classes and skill costs, of course. Mm. Um, but there were little jokes like the the necromancer uh, gets very cheap skinning skill, and this, well, the assassin gets very cheap cooking skill. <laughs> the uh, I, the thing I noted about your your um, about your description of Rollmaster was the multiple sources of um, experience which have to be all be formally taken into um, account. And yeah, in practice, this, is, this hardly ever happened because we did it the same way we've just been talking about of, okay, you know, everybody is here, gets a thousand experience points. The system was there. Somebody thought that system was a good idea. Mm-hmm. And well, Rollmaster my- is deliberately doing D&D only better. It, it's clearly its primary influence. Hmm. Well, all right. What I was trying to say was, for my sins, or possibly for my innate masochism, I have I tried rereading the Burning Wheel, and I didn't get any further than I did the last time, because I hit the thing that appalled me. Then I, I mean, I, I turned off my sensitivity, turned down my sensitivity to bad writing and exhortations and condescension, so I could get that far. But I got to the point at which I discovered there are three or four different kinds of experience you can get. And you, and the player's job is 
it's the player's job to track those uh, forms of experience. <laughs> and one of them has a very silly name. It's called Arthur. Mm-hmm. And it caused, it, it caused me to think, did anybody play test this? Did anybody enjoy it? Did nobody think about the convenience of the players and the games master at this? Because it seems to me that the games designers' interests have taken over in the in the creation of the system, and the and the fun of the players and the fu- and the fun of the GM sort of got left behind, at least as far as I was concerned. Well. One thing that I think could be regarded as an evolution of the state of the art of role playing in general is mm. whether you need experience at all. Um, okay, all right, all right. Now I, I, I remember arguments in the early eighties saying, you know, I've, I've got I've got this party of level ten characters, and an, a new player wants to join, and I want to give them a, a level eight character so that he can keep up with them, and, and there was a strong tendency that said, no, no, every character must be played from first level. Authenticity. It's the authenticity and, and I don't think that happens now. No, um, you create a you create a character, perhaps uh, because if it was GURPS, I would say uh, they started out at two hundred and fifty. You can start out at three hundred, but they're still a little bit ahead of you. But uh, the rejection I'll come back to that the um, rejection entirely yeah. of experience points or advancement in any way comes in fairly early on. I'm thinking of Traveller, which even today sort of very, very grudgingly allows you yeah. to make your character just a tiny bit better and very slowly. And at the same time, this is a system that, that can toss you into play uh, with Blade 1, and that is your sole distinguishing feature. Yeah. Um, and... Okay, this gets into system preference. I'm, I'm sure a genuinely old school player would say, "Well, that gives you lots of freedom to develop the character you want, mm. uh, in terms of you know personality and role play and that side of things." Exactly what I tend, said earlier about character classes. I tend to prefer a character who, yeah, they have a personality and they role play it, but uh, they have something to do with the gaming mechanics as well. So you know, I, I, I am fearless but greedy. Let's say so that will affect my. Um, being scared of things rolls, and my resisting the urge to scoop up all the treasure rolls. Yeah. Um, um, rather I, than just, oh, well, I've decided that, that I'm fearless and shrug. Yeah, I think, I think that takes... Uh, that, that's character development in a different way. I think it's notice, noticeable that though you can make a story out of the farm boy just, just going to starting off going to adventure. Many um, many scriptwriters nowadays tend to prefer the um, the uh, experienced and perhaps even I'm getting too old for this shit central character. Um, somebody who's a bit weird, well, who is really good but a bit world weary. Well, also, I, 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 I think we come here into the idea of the iconic character, which was being talked about in 2005, 2006. Um, yeah. Doesn't see, I mean, the, the idea was there before, uh, the classic example of Doc Savage, who basically comes out of the box at the start of each adventure exactly the same. Um, mm. But also this t- comes into, if, if you want to get uh, arty about it, you're saying this is the character who imposes order on the world by being true to themselves or by being unchanged 
as opposed to the dramatic character whose story is about resolving their own specific internal conflict or crisis. Hmm. Um, and the odd thing, in some ways, is that this took so long, because I think a classic D&D campaign, growing as it does from wargaming, yeah. is not about resolving an, in- resolving an internal conflict or crisis unless you've eaten something poisonous. <laughs> Blazing charcoal, yeah. It's about going out and bashing things, and then when you're bored with that, you go out and bash some different things. It seems to me that that the idea of the improving character is essentially a a bait to say, well, you know, you could fight a dragon, but you can't fight a dragon yet. You'll you'll need to get into the game first. Hmm. I think... I, uh, I think that... People are very sensitive about. I know. I know. I am as a GM. I uh, people and and sometimes as players, people are very sensitive about being told you can't do that. We we recently had a discussion with a friend of ours um, who has a dislike for Gert because she feels because she remembers when back in the early days of Gert's, somebody said to her that she, her character. I couldn't advance certain things after character uh, creation. And it took us a good half hour to convince her that this hasn't been the case for some time. People, I understood the impulse to, um, uh, to, to limit that in the early ga- the, uh, days of, of, of GURPS. I understand well, the, the, the imp- I also understand the impulse to, to want to be able to, uh, change everything, drop everything at, uh, at, uh, moment's notice, as if you're playing um, uh, Munchkin and stop being a, th- a fighter and start being an elven thief. I think one of the early ca- classic uh, character creation things for GURPS was majory. Uh, in other words, ha- how innately wizardy you are. Yeah. If you want to cast the high-level spells one day, you basically have to commit an awful lot of points to, to your majory up front and you're going to be fairly rubbish at everything else. This, this, this is you know third edition days. Um, oh, it's still it's still the, these days. True. It's much more likely to be a campaign setting, and you can say, well, you know, in this campaign you have to do that, in this other campaign you don't. Um, but I, I think that is to some extent the the, the dungeon bashing roots of GURPS do come clear at times, and this is one of them, where mm. it was regarded as terribly important that the job of the fighter was to keep the low level wizard alive until the low level wizard became a high level wizard and could melt continents. Um, I think it was more, I think it grows more out of a sense of what the justification in the game world is for things. And, um, it, it's, it, it's, it's true that, um, it, it seems to me that a fixed level of majory made sense, at least if you're going with a genetic um, basis for majoring. Nowadays, people are more likely to look, look at the virtues of having mastering magic being a spiritual growth um, phenomenon, but also rather than that, that's a an fixed. In, that's a campaign setting. That's not not something you bake into yeah. your generic universal rules. As here is an absolute thing that you cannot change. I feel. <laughs> True. Um, I, I'm, I'm just saying that that in reply to the two extremes I was putting out before, that um, the 
uh, you you want some sense of reality to the uh, to, uh, to to the decisions behind what's accessible to the players, and the the first skill in GURPS, and one that does have some um, theoretical writing behind it, is the, the skill of inclusion and exclusion of all the stuff you could put into a uh, a, a setting, and uh, and that is why it's not a totally mechanical choice. It does actually have a design philosophy behind it, which I find somewhat lacking in other games. I think uh, one thing worth mentioning here is uh, the difference in GURPS terms between a 300-point character and a 200-point character with 100 points of experience. Because that that second character will have been getting experience in dribs and drabs, and will probably have spent it piecemeal. Yeah, and if, I, I if, have... if you go in saying right, I've got three hundred points to spend, you can build a much more effective character because you haven't had to say, oh well, you know, I, I need to do this because we faced this problem, or I need to do that because we faced that problem. Get a point in a skill here, point in a skill there. That's the way it normally works, at least with most players. Though I have had players are so unconcerned with the advancement of their characters, they are liable to say suddenly, oh, I've got 30 points saved, I wonder what I shall do with it. Combat reflexes twice. <laughs> <laughs> there is no advanced combat reflexes. Uh, it would be really bad. There may be some martial arts disciplines, but never mind. I was going to say that it strikes me that the, that the range of um, of schemes of advancement hasn't changed very much since the early days. There's still games which reward you for success with skills, or in the case of the Powered by the Apocalypse model, failure with skills. And there and the and the Powered by the Apocalypse systems also have the tightest pretty t- pretty damn tightly written character classes built into them. And it's one of the things I like about them, perversely, is that you've got the playbooks right from the start, and it's something reliable. But it's something reliable on a very small scale. I don't yeah, think Powered by the Apocalypse game, I think it would be fair to say, tends to tell one sort of story in one sort of setting. And if you want to do it differently, you get a different Powered by the Apocalypse game. But there are ways of, of, of adapting things, and there are even... Um, Gen- generic uh, Powered by the Apocalypse games, which you can twist to specific um, uh, to, spe- to specific needs, and uh, hacking the hacking the whole system is is quite popular. But I felt that, but perhaps because Powered by the Apocalypse campaigns don't last terribly long, at least they don't look to me as if they're intended to last terribly mm. long. Um, um, I don't feel as straight-jacketed by the character classes as I, uh, by the playbooks as I did by character classes. And it should also be noted that it rewards, at the end of session, it rewards specific types of behaviour with bonus experience. Did you do this? Did you do that? Did you discover anything new about the universe? Did you protect the innocent um, uh, did you establish your might and become stronger? Those are those are things that um, individual types of character or even individual groups of characters are 
being rewarded for. But as I, as I say, in a very small scale. I think this is something that comes into the um, iconic versus dramatic, or perhaps we should call them immutable versus mutable character decision. Yeah. The longer you're going to play with them, the more you want them to be mutable because otherwise, you know, I'm doing the same thing I did six months ago real time and maybe yeah. it's not as much fun anymore. Um, which, again, is where, where Traveller gets perverse because Traveller is definitely of, of the age when you were expected to stick with a character for a while. The experience system itself is evidence mm. of that. You know, four, four years of real time. Yes, four years of real time. Campaign time, I should say, get, okay, yeah, get, gets you a chance that. at. Sorry, I, I was looking from the wrong side of reality. Uh, but but what four years of campaign time gets you one chance at improving a skill? Yes, <laughs> and that, unless that you're playing just... Starter Traveler, where they simply removed the experience system to fit it in the page count. Yeah, I find I <laughs> I, I, I I do we do we. Is there a, a, a practical difference between a character class with its own tree of advancements, such as you'll find in lots and lots of places in Dragon Age, in D and D, in uh, in what's that? In the Cipher System, all all that is there a difference between that sort of character class, a playbook. And um, a template in something like GURPS. Well, a GURPS template doesn't give you any guidance on advancements. I mean, you you can look at it and say, these are the skills Mm. I got off the template. Probably those are the important skills. I should put more points into them. Or, or, but those skills over there, especially for a wizard, those skills over there are things I can now aspire to as I'm getting better. But it, but it doesn't give you any specific guidance. There isn't a tree there. I, I, I think it would be fair to say the Powered by the Apocalypse uh, playbook is not really a tree. It's more a flat thing. You know, when you when you get when you accrue enough ticks from failing to do yeah. stuff, you get to tick one of these four things. And when you've ticked all four of them, probably the campaign is over. Well, no, is it, there, there's a little more life in it than that. You, I, I'm thinking of the um, occult high school one, but yeah, hmm. you, you start out in with. Uh, these things here as your base, and once you've got a certain number of advancements, then you get you get access to a whole new range of uh, of neat stuff you can do. Well, it's interesting because, uh, in effect, what it's saying is you're reducing the diversity of possible characters as they get more competent. Because you've got you know A to F things that you can learn. A starting character has let's let us say for the sake of argument two of them. Um, so there are several different sorts of starting character within that playbook, but by the time they've got all of them, there's only one way to have all of them. Hmm. I think there are always going to be, even with the, um, even with the, uh, option to take, um, advancements from other playbooks, which is there, even like that, the, the fighter is still going to cleave more mightily uh, than the uh, uh, than the thief does. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Oh yes, well, one that I think may may confound your system a bit uh, is called Cthulhu. So it's got the RuneQuest slash BRP 
yeah. to, to kiss school when you use it successfully and then then fail it to advance it. But at the same time, your sanity is constantly getting nibbled away. Uh, remember that in the first draft of the Call of Cthulhu rules, there was no way to recover sanity at all, ever. Mm. Um, and so you've got this perfectly adequate experience system, but I think it's a the, game that works much better for one-shots than for campaigns in general. There are exceptions, but... It's true. I don't think it, it, it disproves anything. It merely proves that the nature of the world trumps everything. I will say one thing about the pub, about, about the um, uh, the Forged in the Dark variant of Powered by the Apocalypse, which is its, very much its own thing nowadays. When I get to the end of a session of the current campaign of Scum and Villainy, which is the um, space-based Star Wars-ish uh, thing, I have to ask the characters each question of have they achieved the things that they uh, that 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 their character is supposed to strive towards? Have they they used their special their special focus of, of abilities? Normally, there's, they're going to be able to say yes at least once. Have they? But 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 sometimes they can't, and it's harder still to answer the questions about whether they've lived up to their ethical nature or whether they've lived up to the uh, issues raised by their background or by their vice. And it become more and more aware that they're not getting those things because I'm pursuing the story rather than the interests of their characters individually. <laughs> and as there are six of them, I'm not sure I could effectively do all of their concerns or all of their focuses, even on a regular basis, even let alone the same evenings gaming. I don't know whether this is something that's specifically in Blades in the Dark, but certainly something that tends to come into that school of game of fairly low resolution gaming in general mm. is uh, everybody should have their moment of awesome in every single session. Yeah, on th that that. With that in regards, I'm more likely to plead the Prime Directive, the, sorry, not Prime Directive, Prime Time Adventures, mm -hmm. um, set up that everybody in a season, everybody gets an episode that's primarily about them. Yeah, that, that is more to my taste. I mean, so sometimes, you know, you, you want to do an extended technical bit as opposed to here is one technical bit and one fighty bit and one fly the spaceshipy bit. Yeah, and I, possibly I'm having shorter sessions than they're designed for, but but I think it distorts the sort of stories one can tell to to have to have everybody every session, as opposed to yeah. as you suggest a, a long term average. Mm. Yeah, I I I don't know. I'm finding the burden of that having to give um, everybody fair exposure and a fair chance to rant and take action or choose in action about their particular obsessions mm. as big a burden as I was finding um, distributing character points um, in early D&D sessions. Um, I, I, over the years I've played and enjoyed campaigns of, of uh, level and uh, XP and level um, based systems. Savage Worlds for some reason, um, 
doesn't offend me as much. Maybe because mm. progression comes quicker and easier. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just remembering uh, when the Savage Worlds game that we were playing in together, I I'd, uh, spot, spotted that I could go down the charisma track and basically everybody would do what I said when, whenever I raised an eyebrow at them. The, the only one I didn't get in the end because the GM w- wouldn't let me have it was Noble. Ah. Um, well, yeah, yeah but, to, to do yeah. that you have to, ha- you have, to have a king and, and improvising a king is not a good idea. I think that what I look for in a system that does this is ease of use for me as a GM. And I appreciate that's a fairly selfish um, standard of judging game systems. Uh, but it's what I find myself mostly doing. I do, um, I do try to um, judge it also on convenience for the players, but I, but I, I put them as a firm second place. The players and only have the one third, the third criteria is, is how adaptable, how simple is it to adapt to what I'm actually going to be doing and what I'm actually going to need. Mm. And um, those are the three criteria. And I've not found anything that's perfect yet. But well, of course. No. If, we, if we did, we wouldn't have to worry about uh, which system we're going to use next. Although usually what we say is, mm, is there a reason I shouldn't use GURPS? I'm getting away from that a bit now, but it, it still does tend to be my fallback. I think what I'm asking for from essentially the, the character description language, whether that is class and level or skills or something else. Mm, okay, that's a good phrase. Character description language. <laughs> Write that down somewhere. <laughs> is that it should allow a diversity of characters even though they're doing perhaps quite similar things. Uh, the, the, uh, this is why I like... The, the thing I keep saying about GURPS is I, you know, the, the advantages and the skills are nice, but it's the disadvantages that make it sing for me. Because yeah. the, this is where I get, okay, you, know, you, you, are, you are the greedy guy and, and, and you, are, you over there are the timorous guy and your other stats may be completely similar, but that alone is going to mm. tell me more about how you're going to respond to situations. Yeah, the... the hmm. The whole thing, it, it just, the, the reason, the whole reason that I brought this up was the shock of hearing someone, well, apparently an intelligent human being, say that they felt that, um, the, that, that the character class and character level model was some sort of, uh, some sort of, uh, High standard and uh, and um, state of the art thing, whereas I've not been thinking of it like that um, for well, some do, do bear in mind uh, that, as far as popularity of games conser- is concerned, it is hugely in the majority. Yes, I know that, but I try not to let it depress me. <laughs> and therefore, if you are writing a game that you want people to be able to pick up without too much trouble, that should be a consideration. Um, Except dice mechanics, ex- you know. It, D&D and Pathfinder basically have a, you roll a d20, you want to get a high number, you add your whatever to it, and it's a plus one or a plus two, and you've got a difficulty level you're trying to exceed. Mm. Um, Call of Cthulhu, RuneQuest, GURPS all have, you have a skill, you are trying to roll that or less, 
and then there are modifiers based on how hard the task is. I have heard people argue quite seriously that the latter is far more complicated and deeply unnatural and should not be in a game. Simply well, this because is what, what they're used to. Not what, not what they're used yeah. to. Doing. Yeah. I, oh, this is the thing that worries me about that, that vast majority of role players is that they have assumptions I've never even run into. And that for some reason, um, and, 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 the, and that there are people out there who are avoiding my favorite games because, um, because they had a bad experience once. I should probably be more forgiving given, uh, given that I, I'm basing my, my repulsion for D&D on things it did many, many decades ago. But I think I'm going to try and wrap this up by saying we mentioned three types of um, bundle of um, of character characteristics. There's a class with its planned um, stages of advancement, and class and level. There's um, a template which says this is a tried and tested way of doing this. You can fiddle with it. And there's the playbook, which is um, which is which prioritizing getting a character up and running and into the game and into the setting as fast as possible. I there think there may be other possibilities. The distinction from class to playbook is really that the playbook usually says uh, you have these thing, these four or five things, and you can take them in whatever order you like. Whereas the the classic class system says at level three you get X power, at level five you get Y power. Yeah. It, it's very noticeable when I played uh, some D and D. I think it was three point five a few years back. That there is definitely an effort going to say that advancement is much faster. It's, it's not the you know we've played five sessions, somebody got to second level that mm. I, I knew back in the day. It's much more ev- every session there should be a little bit of bookkeeping rather than having it all bundled up and dropped on you at once. And then every I session think- you get it, you get a little reward to encourage you to keep going back. Mm. I think it occurs to me that there is a fourth way of doing things, which is the pure narrativist systems, uh, like uh, quest worlds and um, and fate. But they're peculiar. They're also peculiar in as much as they don't fit my uh, provisional classification system for uh, advancement systems. Um, Mm, terribly well. At least fate doesn't, because mm. fate says you you get to advance when something significant happens in the story, or in your character's story. But there are there there are still experience points um, earned in a, earned in action and um, accumulating towards levels. Experience points, which are also construction points, as in GURPS so that you get more building material for your character's capabilities. I, I'm a great fan by. of flat systems. So, you know, the the, system, the mechanics you use to start your character off are the same as the mechanics you use to improve your character. You're, you're spending the same sort of points on the same sort of things. Yeah, particularly in a relatively me. complex system, it's just better. Yeah, and third, there is advancement by using skills and doing things. I think, I think Powered by the Apocalypse does this too in the, but in a very different way than uh, the D100 
system does. There are also systems like unknown armies, which um, sort of relate uh, to uh, uh, to the D100 system, but take a different um, twist to it. But it's in the same group. And then again, there is is fate and the weird stuff that it does. But I think that's the four categories of both of those things. I don't I, if. People have other categorizations, other ways they think about this. Well, the, the more general, the, the, the completely freeform one, um, mm. the GURPS as it's usually played, though, I, I think in practice it's not, it's intended to be slightly more restrictive that, you know, you've got five points, you can spend those five points on stuff. Mm. The impression I guess is that, that, mm, the, the, this may be a Rogers GURPS heresy moment. I think the training rules are intended to be, you have those five points. This is how long it takes you to actually learn a thing, which will involve spending those points. Well, I've ne- no, I've never played it that way, and I, I, I'm willing to report you to the Inquisition on this. I've always said that the that the experience advancement and the training advancement are two separate systems. Hmm. Well, that, that's the way um, it's usually played. I agree. I, I'm just not completely sure that that was the intention. Well, I, th- I think you can. If 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 an advantage is something you can te- you can get by training and and doing things, then you ought to be able to combine the two. So that if you spend, earn five points towards um, uh, towards let's say combat reflexes, and you get the other ten via experience, that's perfectly fine by me, and it makes perfect sense to mix and match in some cases. But anyway, I was trying for a, a, a academic classification of the of the two systems and how they interact. And just to say we still haven't got I can't think of any at this moment I cannot think of any um other groups that they might fall into. And that's why I'm appealing to our listeners to start a discussion about and to say why they prefer one over the other as well. All right? That is. All right. If you uh, wish to share with us your valuable taxonomies of uh, role-playing systems in lots of different ways, we love taxonomy. Yeah, we're, we're big. We're big t- on taxonomy here. Not necessarily good, but big. And then do you can contact us via uh, leave a message on the website or email podcast at tekeli dot lee. And we'll be back again as autumn crumbles into leaves falling off trees. Next time. <laughs>